Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper and Kate Borsay. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Offside Rule podcast. And as you can hear in the background, this is a noisy one because we're actually at Stamford Bridge. We've been here for the Women's Champions League final, which has just finished, and a lot of corporate hospitality, which means free beer. <laughs> um, let me introduce who I've got alongside me. So Kate is alongside me as usual. Hello. Hello. And the reason why it's getting louder and louder is I think people are enjoying the drink more and more. So expect it to be raucous by the end of this. Um, and also, to my right-hand side, no hailing. McQueen this week, but we've got Enia Luco, Chelsea Ladies, England Ladies star. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I'm pleased to be here. We'll start by saying what's coming up. So topic one, we're going to talk the 2012-13 effect. Let me explain this topic. Uh, the season has had several high-profile players, as we know, retire, not to mention managers too. Um, plus three of the top four clubs will have new managers. Um, of all the stories making the front and back page headlines in recent weeks, we want to know what you think will have the biggest impact on next season so I'd like you to pick two stories that's coming up uh, also because we've been at a Lyon versus Wolfsburg final we'll talk about that in just a second French versus German we're going to use that European angle and ask you for French German players both from the men's and women's games so if you can pick a favorite of each that's four players to choose from uh, we'll have a quick FAWSL roundup that's not just courtesy because you're here any <laughs> we do this every week okay but we might as well get your opinion on that hadn't we really okay. you're, the, you're the lady in the know okay as long as you don't say bad things about Chelsea that's okay oh we won't we won't <laughs> uh, and uh, topic three is um, home from home hopefully you'll have some great stories on this any uh, we're thinking of the football leagues in England we have a lot of foreign players now the women's super league yeah. has had them as well so hopefully there'll be some great stories out of that in terms of people that have slightly had had to adjust to English life they've maybe had some funny amusing tales as they've been getting acquainted with their new living quarters I might also play devil's advocate on this 
this one and throw it in the opposite direction. English players that have gone abroad as well. I have a habit of doing this, don't I, Kate? Trust you to twist the topic to your own means. Um, it's episode 28. Why would I change a habit of a lifetime? Um, Twitter topic of the week as well. This week we'll introduce and Simona Felsberger. Uh, what, a, what an apt one to have with all the German football, all the Champions League German finals. We've got our Bundesliga roundup um, and that will take us to the end of the podcast. But I think we should start with a little bit of chit-chat. First of all, reflecting on what we've seen tonight at Stamford Bridge, the Champions League women's final. And it actually ended in the end with Wolfsburg winning 1-0 with a penalty. And they've actually done the treble. They've got the Champions League title, the Bundesliga title and the German Cup. So it was a great game. And first of all, any let's start with your thoughts on it. Watching as a female player, what did you make of the quality tonight? What did you make of the game? I think the quality was excellent, actually. It was a really good game of football. And, you know, it shows, again, the level of women's football. It's, it's, It's great football. I think it was a bit of an education for me. Leon had the best of the possession were the, obviously the better team but I think Wolfsburg obviously were very patient defended and then got the goal in the end I think Leon will be very disappointed with losing that but it, it shows the fine line between winning and losing and Wolfsburg deserved it and they looked like they really enjoyed winning as well at the end It was just a penalty in the end Kate that it came down to but you've got some of the details there, I mean did you think it was a fair call from the ref? Yeah I mean it was uh, Leon's Laura Georges who gave away the handball in the area and that resulted in Martina Muller for Wolfsburg scoring a penalty fair is fair really um, I would agree with any I think Leon will be bitterly disappointed with the result this is their fourth consecutive final and they've won the last two they, they've met German opposition in every one of those four finals obviously defeated uh, the last two Potsdam a couple of years ago Lindsay yes, we yourself were there. and I yeah, we were there go Potsdam weren't we <laughs> all night we were, we were going Potsdam crazy um, but anyway yeah so well done to Wolfsburg this is their debut appearance and they've done really really well I actually I actually thought they were confident and assured on the ball. Leon were perhaps technically better and certainly showed a bit more pizzazz. But to me, they just looked a little unmotivated, a little less desperate, a little less ambitious maybe than Wolfsburg. Any, just very quickly, I mean, in terms of the players that you saw out there, who really impressed you? Because you've got one eye as well on the Euros, I guess, and who will be performing in that competition. That's right, yeah. I think, obviously, I was looking at a lot of the French players who will obviously be in our group. Louisa Nassib is a big favourite of mine. Um, I personally think she was playing a bit too deep today. I think if she was higher up, she would have affected a lot of the attacking play for Lyon. Laura Georges in defence is always a strong player to play against. Um, Camille Abelli played well but I was surprised to see her come off quite quite late on in the game when Leon were, were really pushing for a goal Dickerman came on and did well but then was brought off again so she, she came on as a sub and then was brought off so I think Leon tactically in terms of their personnel maybe got it wrong in terms of where they were you know Wolfsburg didn't ha- really have anyone to note in terms of international superstars but they still won the game so it's, it's quite good to see well, we'll come back onto Women's Super League shortly. Uh, let's first of all um, just round off some big stories that have happened in the men's game over the last couple of weeks. Uh, just to round off the Premier League season. So Arsenal in the end, they got that fourth place Champions League spot. A lot of people vying for Spurs to do it. But of course, in the end, it was just in their own hands for Arsenal and they got the win they needed. And Spurs won, but it came to no avail. I mean, fifth place Europa League again. Well, what did you make of the end of the season, Kate? Very exciting, wasn't it, really? I did feel sorry uh, for Spurs. Spurs, but there was nothing that they could have done any different in that scenario. 
I, I mean, I genuinely thought Chelsea would have suffered burnout way before now because of simply the number of fixtures that they've had to play far more than anyone else throughout the whole season, but also especially towards the end of the season. And I, I have to say, I have been, you know, despite having a tough time initially, I've got to give credit to Rafael Benitez for keeping those players motivated and fit enough and with enough drive to see the season through to the best that he possibly could. You know, Chelsea won the Europa League. They finished within the top four. And that was really the best that Rafa Benitez was ever really going to achieve. And in terms uh, of your opinion, Any, I mean, did you did you feel sorry for Spurs in the end this season? And also your thoughts on Arsene Wenger at the start of the season, being a manager tipped to maybe exit the club, and it ends up with him still being there, and the other four, everyone else is gone. Well, he, well I think, you know, Arsene Wenger will, he, he's almost like an Arsenal institution unto himself. I think it's going to be another situation where he's be like Alex Ferguson, it'll be up to him whether he leaves and whether he feels like he needs to pass the beacon on to someone else. But do I feel sorry for Spurs? No, um, because they seem to put themselves in this position every year. They, they just miss out. I mean, last year, you know, I felt sorry for them, to be fair, because obviously Chelsea won the um, Champions League and they lost out because of that. But, you know, Tottenham are good enough, really, to be pushing for top three. It just seems disappointing that they keep missing out on that Champions League. And it's going to be hard as well to keep Gareth Bale if they keep missing out and... We'll see what happens in the summer with him. Uh, we couldn't have an all-female-fronted podcast without talking about David Beckham retiring, could we? <laughs> uh, we have to put our two Pennethworths in there. What a player he's been. I mean, whether you rate him in, in terms of his skills or not, I mean, he obviously a great England captain and uh, his work rate, I think, is unquestionable. But what he's done for the game and Bran Beckham has been superb, hasn't it? Absolutely. I think, to be honest, it was the right time. I, you know, I read Twitter and people are like, oh, I'm devastated, Beckham's retired but it's kind of like well it's time you know he's 38 39 years old and you know he's, he's probably reached that level where he said he's had enough and you know his body's probably telling him he needs to stop but you know what an icon what an icon for the game what an inspiration for the game he was clever as well, you know. He won a championship in every single club, or with every single club that he played for, and he wanted to go out on a high. He went out in a very classy way, having won the title with Paris Saint-Germain. And I think perfect, you know, he will, he will carry on being a global football name, won't he? You can see him having more ambassadorial roles than anything. I mean, yeah, people have linked him with coaching, but I just can't see him taking that route. Um, I think the media will be trying to, to snap up his service if they can, um, but maybe more of an ambassadorial global figure. I think that's the status he has. Um, another big, big global star, but in management and a special one, which we had on the podcast last week, if you were listening, uh, Jose Mourinho returning to Chelsea. It's now been confirmed he's leaving Real Madrid at the end of the season. And as we record this podcast, it's looking very, very likely he's going to return here to Stamford Bridge. Uh, what do you think his return will bring to the Premier League next season? Oh, well, I, I've missed Jose Mourinho, I have to say. I think, you know, everyone has probably missed him. He's, he's such an entertaining guy, very inspirational you know love him or hate him he's going to obviously bring that whole personality but also success you know Chelsea since he left have, have really missed that that form of success um, and he'll bring great players you know great players will follow him I'm sure Kate are people remembering him though with rose tinted spectacles yes 
<laughs> I think everyone's forgotten, you know, press and punters, that everyone had kind of fallen out with him a bit, hadn't they, before he left the Premier League? Everyone was getting a little bit fed up of his diva-ish drops and walking out of press conferences. And he'd lost a lot of his humour. I mean, he's famed for having that wonderfully dry sense of humour. But when things weren't going his way, and I think also when he felt that it was time for him to go and he no longer enjoyed as good a relationship with Roman Abramovich as he had done, the tide turned and he wasn't particularly forthcoming. It's not been a great season for him at Real Madrid and it's certainly one he wants to forget, but not like me and you to disagree on this, but I actually think it's Chelsea's to lose next season now. I think the movement at Manchester United certainly has got to be an indicator for all the other top four sides to go this, if there's any season to do it, it's now. We'll just wrap up by talking about the League 1 and 2 playoffs. Um, I, oh, Kate's going to laugh because I did say Bradford. I'm just going to, rather than it sound like I'm gloating about this, yeah. you say who got through and I'll just stay, stay, stay quiet. Well, Northampton didn't get through, as I predicted. Um, I was actually working, and I caught up with the game just after half-time, and uh, Bradford were already 3-0 up, and I was like, oh, my God, isn't that typical? Well, you also thinking Lindsay's going to be unbearable. Well, we'll obviously talk more about this next week because we're going to be reviewing all of the season next week. Can I just stave her off for another week, please, folks, before it turns into gloat fest again? No, I don't want to do that. I didn't, you know, I feel sorry for Northampton as well, but I, I just had a feeling that Bradford had recovered from the cup defeat. Yeah. I think Bradford had success in their blood. They, they knew what they wanted and they went after it like a hunt going after a wild animal. I mean, they just went for it. And well done, Yeovil. Feel absolutely gutted for Brentford and for Natalie Sawyer. I know I really, really wanted it to be their year, especially living so close to their ground. Yeah, I, um, I live about two minutes from the ground, so I was gutted for them. That's and they're, they're moving ground as well, aren't they? So yeah, yeah. They've got all that to look forward to. And, and Natalie Sawyer, we had her on the podcast last week, huge Brentford fan, and she was just like, we, we felt like it was our year. I must admit, I did think Yeovil, didn't I? But I, I kept quiet, but I, I just, I did. But um, Brentford, I think, will return stronger, and Yui Rossler is such a good manager for them. Yeah, he is. Um, I think, um, you know, it's hard for a lot of teams when you're when you're pushing for promotion. You've got to figure out a way of motivating yourself for another season. You know, it's probably the hardest thing. That's what really concerns me as well. You know, Natalie said, as you just said, they have, they've had this special feeling about the season the whole way through to then get so close and for it to be cruelly taken away like that. I just wonder if next season they're going to be on a bit of a low and they're going to find it hard to come back. Hi, I'm Matt Letissier and you're listening to The Offside Rule, three girls talking about football. Well, that rounds up everything of recent weeks, but we'll go on to topic one and it is, as I pointed out at the top of the podcast, the 2012-13 effect. So I'd like you both, please, to give two stories from this season. It can be a manager, player dismissal, a retirement, anything like that, that you think will have the biggest impact next season. So I want two, can be good, can be bad. We'll start with Kate. Okay. well, my first one's going to be financial, actually. In the wake of the financial fair play uh, initiative, I could call it an initiative, couldn't I? 
tonight. Regulations, I'll probably uh, safely call it instead. There's been a bit of an offshoot of that within the Premier League. The decision was made in February of this year, ratified in April, and it's going to come into force for the new season. Basically, the Premier League in England's agreed to financial regulations in that they have to now limit the amount of money they are losing within a season. Now, this is after pressure from the government and from supporters as well, and it is about time financially our clubs were more respectful, I think I'm going to use that particular word. So, from the beginning of next season onwards, Premier League clubs cannot make a loss in excess of £105 million, sounds a lot, I know, across a three-season period. Okay, so this averages out at about £35 million a season, so they can't make more of a loss than that. Only seven of the current top-flight clubs would be under that ceiling at the moment, so you can get some idea of how many clubs this affects. One thing that the restrictions don't apply to, though, is income from sponsorship deals and from ticket sales as well. So that money can still be spent on on wages. The restrictions apply to the new Premier League TV money deal. Now, that deal means that the winners of the Premier League next season stand to rake in £100 million. What? Wow. Okay. when you put it like that, wowzers. So the Premier League said, right, if you're going to boost up the uh, TV money up up to those levels, we need you to start being a little bit more responsible with your balance sheets. So yeah, uh, clubs whose total wage bill is more than 52 million will only be allowed to increase their wages by four million pounds a season for the next three years. So across a three-year period, they're only allowed to make a loss uh, of 105 million or below. So watch this space. It might not have a direct impact, but certainly teams are going to have to watch their balance sheets now. That's a very good one indeed. What's your other? My other one is all about Stoke. Now, I could have gone for Sir Alex Ferguson. I could have gone for Moisey leaving Everton. Could have gone for the situation at Chelsea. Yeah, well, maybe some of us have. I have, yeah. <laughs> right, well, ladies, I am refusing to go for the glamour tie in this. I'm going to go Stoke. Now, Stoke really interests me because, in my opinion, they have outperformed under Tony Pulis. And I know he's been sacked by Peter Coates because he doesn't play his football in an evolutionary way (laughs) if you can use that particular word Um, but they fared very very well they finished 13th in this season in fact they've never finished below 14th in the Premier League you've got to be really careful when you're in a position and you're with a club of Stokes income Peter Coates has run that club incredibly well. Tony Pulis, ditto, I think, has done a fantastic job. If you bear in mind what can happen, Wigan supporters, Reading supporters, Wolves supporters, please take note. So, Peter Coates has got to be incredibly careful with his selection. Because if they don't appoint the right person, and they came very close this season to being relegated, if they don't appoint the right person, Stoke will be playing in the Championship the season after next. Well, that is a bold statement from Kate Borsay. Damning. Um, Any, who have you gone for? In terms of stories, your first one. Well, I'm going to go for the sort of obvious choice, I suppose. But it it is Sir Alex Ferguson retiring, I think. And obviously, David Moyes becoming the new manager. I actually really wanted 
Jose Mourinho to, to get that job. I thought it was going to be revolutionary. I thought it would be make another amazing Manchester United. But they've gone for David Moyes, who I think is sort of a, a prototype, if you like, of Alex Ferguson. But I just don't know if he's going to really be able to fill those boots and whether the players will respond to him. I think we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Paul Scholes retiring as well um, and seeming not bothered about retiring. His, his post-match interview after he retired was made me laugh. He just was not bothered at all. <laughs> um, so it's going to be a different... retired once. Yeah, right. yeah, like, yeah. Not bothered. Deja vu. Um, but it's going to be a different Manchester United, I think, and that'll be interesting to see. And it'll be interesting to see how other teams come out against Manchester United because of the fact that that fear factor isn't there, because Alex Ferguson's not on the sideline, because you don't have Fergie time. You know, all those things, all those factors that come with playing Man United, it's going to be interesting to see how other teams react to that. Well, I've gone for a mixture of the two of yours. So, Sir Alex Ferguson, I'm going with you, Any, on his retirement, having a big impact next, next season. Uh, David Moyes will have the Rooney issue as well, of course, to contend with. Uh, plus, he'll take some time to bed in, I think, which will throw it open uh, for the race for the title next season. Man City, they've slipped up, I think, letting go of Mancini. It means that the City squad will also be undergoing a change. They'll have transitions there, which leaves the doors open for Mourinho with a return to Chelsea, as I already alluded to, uh, to deliver them that first time at the first time of asking coming back to the Premier League. I think that's what will happen, especially for Ronaldo or Rooney as Rooney might be drafted into Chelsea ranks. And if there was ever any time for stability in the top four clubs to shine, the time is now. So maybe Arsenal's trophy drought might... No, no, it's not going to happen. But it, it, they could perhaps come runners-up. It, it might be about to end in the FA Cup or the League Cup or something instead. And I'll go on to Stoke as well, sacking Tony Pulis. I'm with you, Kate. No, the football wasn't pretty, but it was effective. Uh, Stoke weren't relegated. In fact, they finished in 13th in the table in the end. And so what's Chairman Peter Coates and the rest of the board thinking, really? The Premier League, it's always going to have its clubs like West Ham. They've got that defensive play set up and it will always be enough to see them through to survive. So not everyone can play open, free-flowing football like Swansea and actually get away with it. I think actually Swansea are one of the teams that have pulled it off. Unfortunately, I think it's the beginning of Stoke's demise from the Premier League, this sacking. And I'm actually predicting, and I know that any of your brother plays for them but I'm predicting along with Hull and I haven't made my mind up about the other one yet that they'll be relegated next term well what do I say to that I'm not going to say no Hull are staying up I'm talking positively I think I mean they're going to have to sign a lot of players and I think first of all they're going to have to sign a goal scorer who scores at least 20 goals a season Peter Arden Wingney is available Desperate to, desperate to leave West Brom so I think hopefully you know Hull can snap up somebody like that who is proven who can score goals who can you know nick them a 1-0 towards the end of the whole season I think they were pretty much there but they were lacking that at the end you know goal scoring ability you should probably explain your allegiances to Hull any All right, okay. yes so my brother obviously my little brother Shawnee Aluko plays for Hull he was injured towards the end of the season but you know I was backing them all the way and was absolutely delighted to see them get promoted I'm going to try and be at every single game next season if I can because you just don't know how long it's going to last but um, it's amazing for the family really to see him in the premiership he must be absolutely thrilled is he walking with a little bit more of a swagger well, Premier League swagger 
Well, yeah, yeah, and, and deservedly so. You know, he's worked, he's worked extremely hard. He's at the moment, all the boys are on holiday, and he's, you know, still training, he's rehabbing to get back fit for his injuries. So, you know, I'm really proud of him. I think he's got to be humble enough to know that he has to work. This is the, where it starts. You know, this is where the hard work. You can't relax now. This is the platform he's been working hard to get to for his whole career. So, I'm just excited to see what he can do. Has he offered to buy you a Porsche yet, any? No, but I'm going to ask. <laughs> See what you can get. <laughs> Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher, and I love the Offside Rule podcast. Next up, topic two, and it's French-German final here at Stamford Bridge, so it inspired me to ask you both for your best French-German players. Yes, very predictable indeed. Um, a self-explanatory one, so I don't need to hang around. Uh, Wolfsburg versus Lyon. Uh, we want to pay homage to some great players that have impressed us both uh, from both countries, both in the men's and women's games. So a French and German player, men and women, who would like to go first? Any. Any's going first. Any should beat you to it. Well, this is a, you have to be quick to get in ahead of Kate. <laughs> Well, this is a bit of a double whammy. So, for French female player, I'm going to go for Louisa Nassib. Yes. Who everyone calls the female Zidane. She is one of the best players I've played against. Technical ability is amazing. Um, is a real conductor in the midfield. And best French male player, I'm going to go for Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> um, because I think he's one of the greatest players that I've ever lived. Um, German female, I'm going to go with uh, Birgit Prince, who is you know one of the icons of women's football um, and who scored a heck of an amount of goals. Um, and German men, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Mario Gomez. One, because he's very hot. And two, because, you know, he's, he's a fantastic player. Um, again, he's, he's a real sort of marquee forward and someone I've watched actually quite a lot um, in recent years. Kate, let's go with yours. Marseille midfielder Mathieu Valbuena. I really like the wow. way that he plays. Very well said. <laughs> oh la la. Uh, yeah, um, very, very quick. Uh, small for his size, isn't he? Um, but he uh, holds his stature really, really well. And he uses his size as part of his game. He's nicknamed Le Petit. The little one, literally. Uh, by Can we put a point on there? Petit point. <laughs> uh, yeah, so very, very quick at turning. Just a quick all-round. Um, doesn't score a lot of goals, but technical ability, very, very good. By the way, do you remember Jeremy Aliariere? Yeah. Ex-Arsenal, yes. Middlesbrough, and went out, out on loan to a couple of other clubs. He's knocked in 15 for Lorient this season. He's, he's having a great old time over in Ligue 1 in France. <laughs> Uh, for my German male, I'm going to go Mario Goetze. Uh, popular choice, very, very predictable. Of course, he's going to be uh, playing for Bayern Munich and he is out of the Champions League final because he pulled a uh, hamstring in the game against Real Madrid in the uh, semi-final. I don't have to say too much about him. He formed part of that triangle with Lewandowski and Marco Royce, and it was just magical to watch. Absolutely magical. Inspired play by Borussia Dortmund. I think he's about 20 now, so there's still so much more to come from him. Here's a quote from a, um, a coach who coached him at regional level, and I just thought it was a lovely, lovely quote. He said, Players like Mario don't need to be discovered. They discover themselves. Wow. I feel like I want that on a plaque. <laughs> uh, your females, your ladies? For my female German player, I'm going to go for Luisa Wenzing. She's 20. She uh, is a right back and she played for Wolfsburg tonight and I thought she was terrific. Very composed. And I loved it because she was 
bossing the right-hand side, giving them some stick, shouting at them as well. And this is when Leon were pressing with about 10, 15 minutes to go. You know, she was really barking orders, and I thought, fair play to her. She's 20, she's got presence. Um, she's played in the German senior squad as well. She won uh, the under-17 Women's European Championship in 2009. The under-19 won in 2011, and Germany were runners-up in the 2012 Under-20 World Cup. She's been decorated, she's composed, and I think she's a really exciting one to look out for. For my French, I've gone the total opposite end of the scale, Sabine Souberon. She's 39 years old, she's a midfielder. She's got 187 caps for France. <laughs> she's amazing! She is colossal. Uh, she's played for Juvisy since uh, 2000, and they actually came uh, runners-up in uh, the top women's league over there in France. She's been playing internationally for 16 years. She's like Faye White and Rachel Yankee, rolled into one. She even, of course, played at London 2012, uh, where you featured as well, Annie. Um, total respect to her. 187 caps for France. Okay, my two men, first of all, we'll go for my... Uh, they're both uh, Bayern Munich players, by the way, who are in the Champions League final this weekend. I, I do love Bayern Munich at the moment. So I went for French player, first of all, Frank Ribéry. Great winger, very fast. I love his trickery and his excellent dribbling. I mean, that ball is always close to his feet, yeah. which must be a skill you admire. Yeah, that is a skill you need as a winger, to be honest, because the uh, left-back or right-back will, will look to to make you know that you're there so um, it's a good skill to have to be able to dribble and, and uh, have good vision on the pitch and yours and mine favourite French footballer of all time Zinedine Zidane yes. called him the jewel of French football oh. and that's good enough for me really that's really that's a massive compliment from Zinedine Zidane yes uh, Ribéry two time winner of the French Player of the Year award uh, he's also won the German Footballer of the Year becoming the first player to hold both of those honours mm. uh, impressive number of goals and assists as well this season 41 appearances, 11 goals and 21 assists. Uh, my German player is Bastian Schweinsteiger. You know how much I want to see him. I want to see him in the Premier League. He'll never come here, I don't think. But central midfielder for Bayern Munich. He can play out on the wide or in that central role. He's won six Bundesliga titles, five German Cups, two League Cups. Need I say much more? Apart from one of the things that I caught um, in some of Bundesliga highlights. Did you see the back heel from him on the 6th of April? He was playing in the in the Bundesliga against Frankfurt and it sealed the, the Bundesliga title win for Bayern. It was a backheel flick into the goal amazing um, he uses his passing and tackling to great effect as well and he dictates play and he's just, still 28 years old so got a few years to go um, so he would be my other choice on to the ladies uh, tonight I decided to go for our German French Champions League women's final and go for a Wolfsburg player and a Lyon player my German player is actually the captain, Nadine Kessler. I think she was playing with a broken wrist tonight. Did you spot that? That is amazing German hardcoreness, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're hardcore. Uh, she was top goal scorer for two seasons in the second division of German football with FC Starbrücken, and she won the UEFA Champions League with FC Turbine in Potsdam. Right, honestly, this is the, when we actually in 2010. Not a problem. I play with broken hands. <laughs> Oh, she, we came to the the last time we came to a women's Champions League final. Myself and Kate was 2010, and it was at Craven Cottage, and we became Potsdam fans, didn't we? And with FC Turbine Potsdam, uh, we loved we loved them. And on that night, she did sparkle, and that's why I remembered her. So I picked her out. And my French player, the Lyon midfielder uh, Camille Abili, uh, player of the match in the last two Champions League finals. She came off tonight, sort of with about 20 minutes to go, was it? Yeah, like I said earlier. I I was quite disappointed to see her come off because she, she can really create something out of nothing. 
Um, she played in America when I was there, and she was one of the top players there as well. So fantastic player. Yeah, she made that move, you know, for the the women's professional soccer league in the states. Yeah. So she earned Player of the Month and All Star honors out there. How hard is that to do out there? Pretty hard when you're playing, you know, when you're playing with the likes of Marta, yeah, um, Abby Wambach, you know, all the top players at the time were in that league. Um, and I was actually in Abilene's team, in the All-Star team with her. So wow. um, that was a pretty big achievement for me, actually. Yeah, that was one to put on the CV, <laughs> I think. Um, 95 international caps with France. She scored 23 goals. Was her goal ratio really good out there? Yeah, in the first season ever in LA, uh, she scored a lot of goals. She was, she was, I think, their main player, really, alongside Marta. She looked very, very strong as well. But, of course, coming perhaps towards the twilight of her career now. But what a player, what a player. Um, I think it's time for us to throw forward actually as we're talking women's football to the FAWSL and having a, a quick t- chat about that uh, first of all Continental Cup how have you, you felt with that from a Chelsea player's point of view? Really disappointing actually I would have you know that's a, that's a final I got to last year with Birmingham and obviously we won the FA Cup so you know for me as a player personally it's disappointing for Chelsea to be out of both cups um, the loss last week against Liverpool 4-0 was you know was really disappointing but I think, you know, we're still a new team and, and a lot of the time losses like that really sort of teach you a lot, even more so than wins. So hopefully the, the group, the, the team will regroup and, and, you know, we can kick on really now, really focus on the league. I was at the Birmingham-Lincoln game and I was really shocked actually because Birmingham now out as well, your old club. Um, Lincoln, they just needed that draw and that's what they got in the end so that they've gone on with Arsenal in the other group. Uh, were you surprised to see Birmingham exit, especially after the first round of matches? To be honest, I don't think any thinks a surprise this year with the WSL because you know everyone's really um, looked to strengthen their teams and everyone's beating everybody so um, I think that's really good for, for the game as a whole um, you know Birmingham lost a few players last year so it was always going to be difficult for them to recreate the form that they did last year um, but I, I think the results this year you can't really be surprised because everyone's beating everyone. Uh, for anyone who's just detected as well, a, a drop in decibels, I think they've actually just turfed some people out in the background. It might be our cue to get on with this, but um, any more that you wanted to ask, any? Uh, so just any really um, a look ahead to the um, FA Cup final um, at the weekend, Bristol versus Arsenal. What are your feelings about who might come out on top with the winner's medal? Well, I think um, we lost to Bristol last week in the league, and Bristol are a very tough team to play against. They're one of those teams that you, you, you don't, you know, again, they don't have many superstars, but they're a real collective group, and they have a game plan, and they really look to stifle your play. Um, Arsenal, obviously, are Arsenal. You know, they, they, they will always dominate play. They've experienced at winning the FA Cup. But they showed last week against Lincoln that they, they find it difficult playing against teams like Bristol. Um, who, you know, are happy to bank, you know, players behind the ball and really stifle Arsenal's play. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, I think, if Arsenal get an early goal, it, it, you know, it, it, they'll win the game. If Bristol can hold on and nick a goal, then it might, you know, it might be a really interesting cup final. And we'll end by saying a couple of weeks ago, Chelsea ladies were top of the league at Bristol Academy now at the moment. Yeah, well, I think Bristol, you know, have done very well, had a good start. But I think, like I said earlier, you know, you've got to be confident in the sort of long term 
season that other teams will beat each other. So, you know, everyone's going to drop points and we just have to focus on, on, on winning as, as many games as we can. Uh, we're going to do our final topic now. Topic three, home from home. Uh, the football leagues in England, they have a big proportion of foreign players. So whether it be the Premier League, big money moves down to the lower divisions or in the Women's Super League where we've seen quite a few more foreign imports, there's a need for players to bed into the English game and English life quickly if they're going to be successful. We might even throw this on its head. I certainly will. I'm going to play devil's advocate and do it the other way around. Uh, but give one or two light-hearted, amusing examples of foreign players having to settle into English life. I'm going to start with any because I know that the WSL, they've had so many foreign imports this, this year. You'll have seen that and you must have some amusing tales of, I don't know, language barriers or people trying to find accommodation and their home comforts. Well, also any having to settle into life over in America as well. Whether you had a funny story there? Well, I have a hilarious story. Um, and actually, it might, be, it's a, it might be a little bit unbelievable. But basically... The first day I got to St. Louis, I didn't know anybody there. Um, and literally, I had the, we, we got to the really nice house that they provided for us, but it had no furniture. <laughs> so it literally had no furniture. So, um, And it was in the evening, so uh, I literally had to sleep on the floor um, when we got there. I was devastated, wanted my mom, was like, what have I done? You know, this is not living the dream at all. Um, and so... I had literally had no bed for about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they treat an athlete. <laughs> yeah. it, it, you know, it made me tougher, I think. Brings a whole new meaning to the word planking, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Wasn't comfortable at all. And how about any coming over here? Have you, have you sort of picked up any, any vibes of whether there's, I don't know, something they particularly miss or desperate to do when they get here? Well, we have a few international players at Chelsea um, and Esther is Brazilian and doesn't speak any English whatsoever. So that's, that's, that's been difficult to communicate with her. But I actually have experience with Brazilian players and coaches. The, the guy who managed us in St. Louis was Brazilian and also couldn't speak any English and everything was done through an interpreter. So I, I'm trying to sort of speak Brazilian to Esther and she, she's like shaking her head like no that's that's not Brazilian <laughs> so um, it, you know I try my best but I think it's always difficult when you can't speak any English at all but Sophia Jacobson amazingly speaks fluent Portuguese so basically how it works is Emma Hayes our, our coach who is amazingly cockney you know you can't get any more cockney than Emma Hayes gives a team talk Sophia Jacobson, who's obviously Swedish, has to process it in Swedish and then process it in Portuguese and then process it in English. <laughs> it's like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Wow, wow. Well, that could be open to all sorts of abuse, couldn't it? If ever I go to Brazil or to Sweden, I'll be, I'll be hooking up with Jacobson to get some tips on the old lingo. Um, let's go with yours next, Kate, because I'm going to just throw it all out completely. A couple of quick ones here then. Dirk Kout's wife, Gertrude, uh, she worked in a care home for the hour elderly when her husband was playing for Liverpool um, to help them settle into the community and I thought that was absolutely brilliant. She thought, Do you know what, I'm going to integrate myself into the community and start working in this care home. Diddy Herman, I interviewed him a couple of years ago and he famously used to like to drink in Everton pubs because he got a lot less hassle. Brilliant, huh? <laughs> and um, Benoit Asuakoto has an Oyster card and likes to travel on the tube and what a great way to see London. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I have been devil's advocate. I do this occasionally, Annie. I just take topics and then I just decide I'll do what I want. 
<laughs> which is crazy. Um, I just managed to find this this website and a couple of articles about some English players that have gone abroad and have played for many different teams and players that we wouldn't even think or know about necessarily. And I just thought, actually, this is a really good bit of information. So the first guy is a guy called Mark Redshaw, just 27 years old, born in Salford, a striker, played in 10 countries overall. So on the books at Manchester United and Manchester City as a, as a youngster, he then went on, he had spells at non-league clubs, um, Rossendale United, one of them, but then moved across to Wales. He then had a two-year spell in Italy with Tristina. They rewarded him with no games, as did a spell with LA Galaxy in the MLS. <laughs> I'm not sure what to make of that. I know. Australia came next. He had a stint with Sterling Lions, then a move back to Europe in the form of a Cypriot outfit, Ethnokos Akna. Um, that's made it sound a bit more German. Um, a flirt with Greek football as well, um, before he actually got taken on by Real Mercia in Spain. So... He probably had a very good He's agent. He's had a very, yeah, a, a really good agent. <laughs> yeah. A very wealthy agent. <laughs> He's made a lot of money. His current club, by the way, is uh, in Holland, FC Os. And that was, he signed for them in 2011. So what a story oh, there. And uh, Kenny Pavey is my other one, um, better known in Sweden than in England. It's a name that would excite Scandinavians, but confuse us Brits. We'd be like, what? Who's he? <laughs> uh, born in London, he started his career in Kent, a non-league club. Moved to Aston Villa in 1998. Uh, failed to really materialise to anything there got an offer from Sweden and that just took him over there to Lungskill SK and he signed there, he remained there till 2005 and then went to Swedish Giants AIK um, and he was the only Englishman to be added to their squad at that time, he's now 32 years old, he was released from AIK earlier this year but quickly re-signed for his former club so he's still in Sweden and just a bit of a one to watch over there and somebody that you know we don't really know anything anything about I just thought it was interesting I think it's interesting generally that English players don't tend to feel very comfortable going to play abroad it's only really the top top players like David Beckham who go out go over to Real Madrid and um, but even they seem like they ha- they're sort of forced to do it if they're not sort of wanted by English teams Whereas it's the complete opposite for foreign players. They, they, you know, they're happy to travel wherever to play. Uh, we'll move on to Twitter topic of the week before Simona Felsberger gives her, us her Bundesliga roundup. So Twitter topic of the week this week was courtesy of Brad Guzan, who tweeted, thank you to all the fans for the support over the year. We've all come through a difficult season and we're looking to build on it for next year. So it inspired our topic of thank yous. So as fans, who do you want to say thank you to this season and why? We've got an influx of responses, but first of all it'd be good to know who any would thank this season I think I would thank whole fans actually a lot of whole fans have followed me this year um, as a, obviously as a result of my relation to my brother but uh, whole fans just seem really nice and really passionate and um, really they just back their team um, so I'd like to say thanks to all my new friends and see you soon anything to add Kate Thanks to Sir Alex Ferguson for bowing out at the right time before we were all sick of the sight of him. <laughs> so thank you, Sir Alex Ferguson. OK, well, I'm going to just get, carry on with the Twitter topics of the week and the responses there. Hannah Ellen said, thank you to Rafa. We hated you, but you did your job and are just as stubborn as us. We may not like you, but respect. Yeah. Uh, James Ager said, thanking Benitez, another one for him for the great work at Chelsea. Despite all the pressure he's been under, we wish him all the success in the future. Uh, Manisha Taylor, a little regular of ours, Arsene Wenger, despite negative press, continued to have belief in his players, admire his youth philosophy. 
philosophy and ethos. Holly Allen said from Palace fans, thanks to Wilfred Zahar, we wish him all the best for next year with Manchester United. Just wish we could have kept him. I think a lot of fans would. Um, we'll see what happens with that. That's on Monday, the playoff final between Watford and Crystal Palace. Uh, Luke Smalley said, Paul Scholes for leaving the pitch the same way he played on it, gracefully. Hashtag legend. Uh, Nick Whitaker, Venkis for letting us enjoy the circus all season long. On a serious note, though, Jordan Rhodes, a great mm. shout. Without him, we'd be in League One. I, I completely concur. Um, AK said Arsene Wenger for selling us RVP. I think we can presume he's he's a Manchester United fan. Uh, David Lee Johnson for Leeds. It has to be Sam Byram, Brian McDermott and GFH Capital. And Natasha Henry, Kazola for being a two-footed angel of loveliness and for looking a little like a chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs> Love that one. Uh, we'll actually throw over now for our Bundesliga roundup. What a week to have it. It's a double for the Champions League. The women's champions here were Wolfsburg and we know that we've got a German champions in the men's final as well. It will either be Borussia Dortmund or Bayern Munich. So what a week to have Simona Felsberger telling us all things Bundesliga. Hello. I know you girls recorded at a women's Champions League final where Wolfsburg surprised Lyon twice defending champion with a 1-0 defeat. Play of the match was Lena Gösling and the only goal was a second half penalty scored by Martin Müller. Well, you already know that. Our German Offset Rule podcast fan base wouldn't have heard because everything here is all about the old German Champions League final FC Bayern Munich versus Borussia Dortmund. As I record this, it's still ahead of the big match and I'm all nervous. Who will it be? But more importantly, to sum up the Bundesliga season, as it's my last spot after Bayern ran away with the title, has still a cup final coming up in Berlin against VfB Stuttgart and will, in my opinion, win the triple. Borussia Dortmund, runner-up in Bundesliga, obviously had a fantastic season too while having to cope with the transfer of Mario Götze to FCB and Robert Lewandowski leaving at the end of the season too. In relegation is 1899 Hoffenheim against FC Kaiserslautern and FC Kräuter Fürth will be playing in second division next season too. I would like to add my Bundesliga highlight match of the season. That would certainly be the 9-2 football extravaganza of Bayern and versus HSV. Well, that's it for the season. Thanks a lot for the interesting features and fingers crossed for Bayern. Stern the students. Thank you very much to Simona for that. And the Champions League final is this weekend. So if you're listening to this post-Saturday evening, then you know why we're just talking about it in the pretense. Um, we want to thank you very much, Annie, for joining us on the podcast. Have you enjoyed it? Oh, I've loved it. I've loved uh, spending time with you today, watching the game. It's been, I've had a lot of fun. We've got some pictures as well, which we'll put up on the Facebook page. Uh, just go to the Offside Rule. And we've also got Twitter as well, at Offside Rule Pod. And we have some video. We we actually have opened a YouTube account. We did this just sat in a cafe earlier, didn't we, Kate? <laughs> we did, and we've invited our lovely friend Rob Marshall, who's been filming us today, and hopefully, although the audio levels might be a bit dodgy, we will try and put it up on YouTube for you all to see. Just to give you a little bit of a taster of what goes on behind the scenes, I know you had another di a couple of questions for Annie whilst she's here. I just had a really, really quick one for Annie. You're playing for Chelsea Ladies in the FAWSL, the top league there for women. Uh, your brother now playing in the Premier League for Hull. Have your family started a wager yet on who's going to score the most goals? <laughs> 
No, not yet, not yet. <laughs> but um, hopefully, actually, my brother, you know, my season will probably be done by the time he starts. Um, I'm looking to score as many goals as possible, but I think, you know, it, it'll be more important for Hull to stay up and hopefully he, they do that by him scoring quite a few goals. Well done to him and thank you, Annie, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the podcast returns to normal for one final swan song for 2012-13 and it will be back next week on Thursday again. And you can listen via SoundCloud, iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. Our final podcast next week. But for now, from Stamford Bridge, we've enjoyed it immensely. Thank you to Annie Aluko, Kate Borsay and I am Lindsay Hooper. We'll see you next week. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan.